Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church in the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. This morning in getting to the word, let me encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4 while I catch you up. And we'll uh, conclude today with a great commission, okay? With a great commission, and that you will know exactly what you are leaving here to do, okay? And uh, in, in by the time we get to Acts 4, uh, if you are unfamiliar with the progress, Jesus had been, you know, um, arrested, crucified. He was dead and buried, and on the third day he rose again. He appeared to more than 500 after he had been resurrected. And yet, when we get to Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and had been uh, uh, gone, uh, we, we see that, that uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there was yet only 120 people in that upper room. He had appeared to more than 500, and only 120 of them have left. You know, uh, evidently, uh, you know, he encountered the same problem that he had encountered in the Garden of Eden. Excuse me, Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked a few men to pray with him, and they were unable to even pray with him for one hour. Isn't that interesting? This was the best that he had. These were his disciples that he had spent three and a half years with. I mean, these were the ones he was leaving the whole ministry to. But yet, they found it difficult to even stay in a prayer meeting for an hour. You might say, wow, oh, how'd that happen? Well, how many of you have spent an hour on your knees in prayer this week without falling asleep? You know, uh, that's what Jesus was facing. And uh, when we get then to the upper room, he had appeared to more than 500, and uh, they certainly believed that he was Messiah, but yet there was only 120 of them left just a few days later waiting in that upper room. Isn't that interesting? I find that, you know, church might have lasted a little bit long and some of them decided they would leave. Or maybe nothing's going to happen right now. Or maybe if it would have happened, it was going to happen. Or maybe I'll get back before I, I don't want but. When God got ready on the day of Pentecost, I think I would have paid some attention that that was a special day coming up. I mean, there was something special coming up here. This was the day of Pentecost. But that 120, that home group in that upper room, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they had been afraid to go out and witness, when they had said this, I don't know how, or the last people that tried that, they got, you know, crucified they got arrested whenever you know that 120 were in that upper room they were afraid they just didn't have what it took they didn't know what to say they didn't know what to do they they they, they were apprehensive if, if anybody would listen and and so they were locked up for fear 
They were afraid to witness. I, I know none of you have ever been afraid to witness, apprehensive to share something uh, because, you know, you could get arrested, you could get beat up, you could get stoned, you could get crucified, you could get put in jail. I mean, that's what they were facing. But yet when the Holy Ghost came and fell upon them and baptized them with that power to be a witness that Jesus spoke of in Acts 1-8 and also in, 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 uh, uh, in, in uh, Luke uh, and, and Mark, there when that Holy Spirit filled them, all of a sudden their fears were dispelled and they poured out, that 120 people poured out into the streets and 120 people effectively led 3,000 people in the prayer of salvation. Now that is amazing. To identify that I need a Savior, to repent of my sins, and to ask Him to come into my heart and be my Lord. Boom. That's what happened. That's what Romans, the 10th chapter, says. That with the heart we believe and, and, into a right standing, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you know that you do not have to move mountains to be saved, but you do have to believe? You do not have to move mountains to be saved, but you do have to believe. Coming to church is not enough. Reading your Bible is not enough. You know, uh, being a good person is not enough. Changing your life to line up with a moral code of life is not enough. You must be born again. You must believe. And this is a part of our responsibility is to challenge and encourage people who, who believe because of the Word of God, who hear the Word of God just like they did on the day of Pentecost, and they believe, but they need to be challenged to make a decision for Christ. Decisions are where it's at. You must believe in your heart and then invite Jesus into your life and you will be saved. Well, as, as, as we went from the day of Pentecost with 3,000 people saved, we move along and in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to pray. They went to the temple and there was a lame man and there this man got healed by the faith that the apostle Peter had. He said, silver and gold, I do not have anything to give you, but in the name of Jesus, I give you the name, rise up and walk. And that man stood up and his ankles received strength and he was healed. There was a great commotion about the healing that took place. You can read it in Acts chapter 3. But as an end result of, of this all this commotion, uh, five thousand more people are saved wow now that's kind of amazing but it also ends up you know with the arrest of peter and john we get to acts chapter four and and you know there's there's this great commotion uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's going on. And verse 4 says, However, many of those who heard the word, many who heard the word, you see, it's so important to hear the word. So many times in the scripture, something happens after somebody hears the word. The Bible says about the, in, in Mark 5, the woman who was healed, whenever she heard about Jesus, whenever she heard the word, here, these that heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 thousand more get born again because they heard the word 
how important it is that people are challenged with the Word of God. There was a little widow in, 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 in the book of Kings who ended up feeding the prophet and, and being sustained for another year and a half, she and her son, because he dared to speak to her the Word of God. And when he spoke to her the Word of God, it awakened something on the inside of her and gave her faith to obey God. That's what happens in the lives of someone that you witness to, someone that you share with. And uh, last week I told you, Wednesday night I told you, that, that people are going to be asking you to give an account of your life. You know, you don't even have to always just be so bold to go up and, and cold turkey, you know, say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. People are asking everywhere. Whenever they see your light shining, when they see you living a different way, whenever they see your light, the Bible says that they will glorify God in heaven because they see Christ in you. And it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. If I were going to title this sermon today, I would title it, Tag, You're It. Tag, You're It. You know, you are the best that he has. Here these men that are performing these miracles and seeing all these people born again, just a few days earlier, they were locked up because their Savior, their Messiah, their leader had been crucified, and they didn't even believe he was resurrected. They were locked up for fear. Then we see them some 50 days later locked up again afraid. And even though Jesus was alive, they were still afraid. They were afraid of being persecuted, afraid that no one would listen to them, afraid of being crucified themselves. And yet, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that fear was dispelled, and they went out and found hungry people in the streets of their city. They found people whose hearts had been prepared, that God had drawn from everywhere. And the people said, yes, even though uh, Peter and John and, and, you know, were, were arrested here, yet five thousand had been prepared in their hearts to receive Christ and they were saved. Why? Because they heard the word. We cannot afford to keep the word to ourselves. And here, when Peter and John were brought before this council the next day, look, look, look at verse 7, and when they had, uh, of, of chapter 4, and when they had set them in the midst of this council, and they, you know, they, they were in trouble, they were among the rulers and the elders and the scribes. You can continue to read the whole story if you would. And, and, and it says, they want to know by what power and by what name have you done this? Uh, you know, what authority do you have to go around telling people about Jesus? What authority do you have? And, in, 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 you know, well, let me tell you, Peter said in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for the good deed done to the helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wow. It was that name above every name. And it's still that name above every name. Let me tell you, whenever you do what you do, when you share the word, whenever you encourage people, when you reach out and help people, when you pray for people in the name of Jesus, that's the authority, that's the power, that's by what power and by what authority we do what we do. Let me encourage you, as I told the first service this morning, uh, don't, don't tell somebody you'll pray for them and then don't pray for them. Let them know you don't have time. Just say, I'm sorry, I don't have time, I'm not going to do that. 
you know, there's no reason me telling you I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to walk away from here and forget everything you said. Why not just go ahead and say that? You know, people might respect you a little bit more if you were to do that. But if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you know what I like to do whenever somebody says, would you pray for me? I go, sure. And I, I, I try to leave there just one little pregnant pause. And then I turn around and say, let's do it right now. And I grab their hand and pray for them right, right there in public. And it just freaks them out. <laughs> but it also calls me to account. You know, I, I, was, I was leaving the school uh, Friday. I was leaving Deweyfield High School Friday. I spoke to an assembly there uh, on, 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 uh, uh, at, uh, uh, for Veterans Day. And as I walked out the door, the front door, and the door was closing, Blaine said this. He said, pray for our game tonight. And I inadvertently said, sure will. You know, I was convicted right there by the Holy Ghost. And I said to myself, will you? So I went, I don't know if you noticed, I sat out in that parking lot for a while praying for you guys. And y'all won, by the way. Yeah, I don't think it was my prayers, but I tell you what, I did add my prayers to it. Come on, take a little time here and uh, uh, share the word. When people you know, ask you, stop, give them your attention, pray for them. You know, pray for what, what, what they ask. Here, uh, uh, listen in verse 12, because i got to cut to the chase here. we got three minutes, and Scooterville's already finished up. I see Grandpa sitting out there in the congregation now. <laughs> All right, verse 12. He says, nor is there salvation... And that's where we're headed is salvation. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You must be born again. You must be saved. Listen, if, 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 uh, uh, if you are not, if the church is not going to love sinners, if you're not going to love sinners, you're never going to save the world. If you're not going to talk to sinners, you're never going to save the world. If you're not going to get around some sinners, you're never going to save the world. Don't expect sinners to come to church. The church should go to the sinners. If Jesus was here today, he probably wouldn't be coming into church. He, uh, he, he would come, but when he went back out, he would go out where the sinners were so that he could lead somebody. He would encourage them to please do encourage sinners to come to church. But the church is not the place where most sinners are going to get saved. Most sinners are going to get saved by the church out in the highways and the byways, out there with the 3,000 and the 5,000 who God has prepared that's hungry with somebody that's willing to share the word. I can remember me and Jeff Phillips more than one time. Jeff's gone with me, I think, more than one time. Just gone out to uh, Grambling State University, for example, and just go out there in the courtyard. I, you know, I'm, I remember I was dressed in cowboy boots one day. I had a yellow sweater on, and I had a guitar around my neck. And I'm so country that I don't fit at Grambling State. You know, it's a major black university in America. And I stepped up on a, on, on, on a park bench there in the middle of the student center. I strung, and the only thing, I, the only song that I knew was at that moment was know ye not know ye not you are the temple do 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 so country it was so backwards and so out of place but i drew a crowd i drew a law big crowd and when the crowd got there started preaching and while i was preaching i had about uh you know five or six or seven disciples that were out there working the crowd witnessing to people and seeing people just see the witness and hear the witness and hear the word and give their lives to christ listen if you call to preach like we said earlier get out there and preach you know uh it's it's people need to hear the word you don't have to be that 
demonstrative. But there is salvation in no other name but Jesus. <laughs> saved. Saved from what? Here's your four points. You ready? Number one, you need to be saved from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is hell. Sin has a power to damn your soul to hell. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. We're told to preach the good news. You don't have to go. You can be saved. You can be saved. Isn't that a great good news? And not only does sin have the power to damn your soul to hell, sin has a governing power. But we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Number two, we've been set free from the power of sin. That's what you're saved from. You're saved from the power of sin. Sin has a power. It has a power to govern and control you. But the Bible says that we are no longer under the dominion of sin. I don't have to sin anymore. The power of sin, it has no power over me anymore. It cannot conquer me by conquest, only by consent. I've been set free. You've been set free. We get saved from the penalty of sin. We get saved from the power of sin. Number three, we get saved from the presence of sin. Our whole world needs to be saved from the presence of sin. You know how much sin is in our world right now? You know how much sin is in our universities right now? You know how much sin is, is, is going on? Uh, listen, imagine what the Bible says about Lot. Lot was a righteous man. He was a good man. There are good people everywhere, wonderful people, good people. People aren't bad. People are good. But the Bible says, Lot, though he was a righteous man, living in the midst of all of that unrighteous conversation, it vexed his soul. It confused him. It confused his mind. It confused his understanding. He wasn't even 100% sure whether it was right or wrong to support it, not support it, to speak against it or not speak against it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm surrounded by so much sin, the presence of sin is everywhere, that I don't even know what is and what isn't these days. What am I supposed to say? Who am I supposed to support? Am I supposed to be against it or for it? What's going on? I don't want to be, you know, without compassion. I don't want to be without kindness. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to preach the bad news. I want to preach the good news. But my goodness, all of this sin is confusing. I'm preaching better than your amen, and I'm trying to hurry. We get saved from the penalty of sin. Thank God. We get saved from the power of sin. Hallelujah. We get saved from the presence of sin that I'll no longer be confused. A saved mind. When you lead your neighbor to Jesus Christ and you pray for them and they accept Him as Lord, all of a sudden they begin to see things a little different. They get saved from the presence of sin. No longer does sin have complete authority and control over what they think and what they feel and what they want and what they imagine. And then number four. By the way, I'm getting this from A.W. Pink if you want to. Look somewhere. Uh, anybody even know who that is? <laughs> you do, yes. The, the penalty, the power, the presence, and the pleasure. We get saved from the pleasure of sin. Sin, like somebody said about meth, don't ever try it. If you've never tried meth, don't try meth. Why? Because it is so good. That's why people... Get pulled back to it. 
it ends up for some people the only thing they can satisfy it's a horrible bondage that's what sin is sin the bible says that moses chose to suffer with the children of israel rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season if you don't think sin is fun you hadn't been where i've been but thank God when you get born again. You get saved from the penalty, from the power, from the presence, and from the pleasures of sin. Something happens in the life of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God that makes them want to change from the inside out and makes them want to put sin down and push sin away. They're tempted just like Jesus was in every manner, yet he did not sin. We will not have a perfect record, but we have an advocate with the Father, and we do get better and better. We are being changed little by little line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. More and more, we are coming into the image of God's dear Son by the power of the Holy Ghost because sin has no more dominion over me. You must be saved. So many people in church are having difficulty with sin, confused about it. Many of them need to be born again. Born again. Saved. Saved. And what it takes is us telling them. Jesus loves you. has a plan for your life. He cares about you. He's not condemning you and neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to offer you an eternal plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and all you have to do is to recognize that you really do need a savior and you believe it's a faith he's given you to believe enough to be saved we'll work on the rest along the way be saved be saved amen hey thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.